You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can win the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, where we post all of our episodes, and you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You'll find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. If you have a smart speaker, tell it to play Locked On Packers. Hey, Alexa, play Locked On Packers. Okay, Google, play Locked On Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775. Tomorrow, we are going to do a mailbag show, answer your questions. Uh, I have been a little bit uh, ignoring of the Facebook questions, and that's my bad. Uh, I we, we, we could almost do a, a whole Facebook show tomorrow. We will not do that, but we, we could. Uh, but I am going to take some of those questions from Facebook tomorrow. And then Thursday, we will have our report card on the outside linebackers. So for those of you that were not a part of our little community here last year, last offseason, what we did was we went through position group by position group and gave out grades. How did the players do? Who is expected to be back? Who isn't? And then who in free agency is a a potential target? Who would be desirable? And then uh, draft options, where the Packers could be looking to add where the Packers should be looking to add, where they might find value, and all of those things. So that's the schedule for the rest of the week. And then we'll be back the following week with a whole new schedule, uh, new position groups, and a lot more to talk about as we inch into February. As we inch toward the Combine, we're going to have a lot of draft talk in February as we look at Combine, Pro Days, all that good stuff. And uh, we're going we're gonna to have a little bit of a discussion about free agency today. Uh, the draft is not going to be as big a focus for us today. Uh, that's, that's specific to the topics that we're going to deal with. We're going we're gonna to get to a discussion. A lot of messages, tweets, um, uh, messages to the Lockdown Packers fan hotline have come in about Adam Humphreys, have come in about some of the slot options in this draft and, and available in free agency. And so we're going to actually dedicate the second half of the podcast to that discussion, what I think the good options are and where the Packers might be looking, where the market might dictate they ought to be looking. Those are discussions for a little bit later in the show. And we're going to start today with a discussion about Le'Veon Bell. And I, I hope some of you are rolling your eyes. And that's not something that I normally say about a podcast topic because obviously I want you to be engaged. I want you to feel engaged. I want you to, to feel like you're, you have some sort of interest in what we're going to talk about. That's always my goal is to provide content that you want to consume. You want to listen to the show. 
the reason I, I hope you're rolling your eyes is because you are reading the tweets, you are reading the articles by people that I think are smart, people that I, that I respect, that who, who have inside information that I don't have or that have some sort of insight that I don't have, that, look, I, I understand my, my perspective is not perfect. My perspective is not infallible. My information is not infallible. I, I think in order to have any sort of ability to grow doing what I do and, and being an analyst and, and having a knowledge of the game and, and all of those things, you have to be willing to accept that your opinion is not always right. In fact, you're often wrong. And those are the opportunities that you have to grow. That said, I want you to be rolling your eyes as you read this stuff because you understand not only are the Packers not going to pursue Le'Veon Bell, it would be the prudent decision to not pursue Le'Veon Bell. And all you have to do is look at what's gone on in the playoffs. And it, it is so disingenuous, all of this discussion about, oh, look at the final four teams. They all had first-round running backs on their team or, or whatever the case is. The, the Chiefs didn't, but they had a Pro Bowl running back in Kareem Hunt for, for much of the season. Let's not act like the reason that the Saints were in the NFC Championship game was because of Mark Ingram. Let's not pretend that the reason the Patriots were in the AFC Championship game and are now in the Super Bowl is because of Sony Michelle. And we can take this uh, a weird step. It would, would have seemed a month ago or, or even just a few weeks ago, but without Todd Gurley, would the Rams be in the Super Bowl? They, they probably would. We saw what C.J. Anderson was able to do, and C.J. Anderson played over Todd Gurley. What makes the Patriots so dangerous is not Sony Michelle in a vacuum. Having a pounding power back is useful, but then you can, you can bring in Rex Burkhead, and he can do things in the passing game. He can give you a little bit of something in the run game. You have James White who they turned into the most targeted running back in the league, who, who, who matched his own record for receiving by a running back in the playoffs. James White is not a high pedigree running back. He is not an expensive free agent. The most replaceable player that is impactful on a roster is running back. We see it every year. The Packers got useful players in the fourth and fifth rounds. And, and in previous years, you know, Deshaun Wynn was a seventh round pick. Ryan Grant was an undrafted free agent that the Packers got for a song. It is not difficult to get these guys and come in and be impactful. Kareem Hunt, third round pick. Alvin Kamara, third round pick. You don't have to spend the kind of money that Le'Veon Bell wants to have a productive running back. The Steelers proved that in saying, hey, Le'Veon Bell, if you want to chill, our offense is still going to be really good because James Conner can do your job. And we look back and, and history has told us, it has shown us, when D'Angelo Williams got all of the carries and the touches that Le'Veon Bell got, he was nearly as productive. This is a replaceable asset. 
so you don't go spend eight, ten million dollars on that player. And he wants 12, 14, 16. He wants to be paid like a receiver. He wants to be paid like Odell Beckham. That's not going to happen in Green Bay. And frankly, it shouldn't happen anywhere. And the idea that that this is something that the Packers have to at least explore, it, they just don't. They don't. Because it, it doesn't make any sense. And, and Zach Cruz tweeted this. Uh, he, he did a comparison. Le'Veon Bell in 2017. He had 321 carries, 1,291 yards, nine touchdowns. So that's 1946 total yards, 1,946 total yards, 11 touchdowns, 4.79 yards per touch. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams in 2018, 254 carries, 1,192 yards, 11 touchdowns, 1,608 total yards, 12 touchdowns, 5.2 yards per touch, more touchdowns, more efficiency per touch. And although they, they aren't as big an impact in the passing game, when when they touched the ball, that's actually pretty remarkable considering that means that the bulk of their efficiency is coming from the run game. The Packers do not have a problem with productivity from the players in the run game. Their problem with the run game is that they don't rely on it enough. They don't give them they don't stick with the plan. They don't continue to run the ball, and and too often, Mike McCarthy has t- treated the run game like this other thing. It's just, it exists on its own. What Matt LaFleur does is he takes the run game and says, we're going to use this run game, and it's going to set up everything we do. And even if we don't have 25 carries, we might have 18, we might have 20, we are going to use that run game in as many ways as we can that is useful to us. So play action and getting the defense to think we're doing one thing when we're going to do another. That is what smart teams do. That is not what the Packers did. The problem with the run game is not the quality of the personnel. The problem with the run game, especially the last few years, has been Mike McCarthy's inability to or unwillingness to stick with it, and it's been the fact that in that offense, in that scheme, he simply did not marry the run game and the pass game with any sort of effectiveness or efficiency. And so while I do think there is some value in saying go into the draft and find a pass catcher, someone with a little juice that you can split out wide and a linebacker or safety has really got to worry about covering that guy, somebody that when you hand him the ball... He's a threat to take it to the house. I think that kind of player is useful, but here is how I feel about running backs. You draft them, you do not pay them. That is, that is what running backs are. And we see it over and over and over. We, you can just allocate resources in a more efficient way than paying big-time money to a running back. You can find running backs. They are the one position in the league that in, in the way that no other position does really, they, they grow on trees. They really do. The running, back, running backs in the NFL grow on trees. And you know what doesn't grow on trees? Money. 
well, it's made from trees, but it doesn't grow on trees. If you had a money tree, you'd really be doing something right. But if you could use a little extra cash or you're interested in making some big time cash and you want to put your sports knowledge to good use, the truth is you got to check out my bookie. I've been telling you about it for weeks, for months, because I trust my bookie. And that's why I send you to my bookie. Lay down some cash and win big today. They have live in-game betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business. And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under and how many fantasy points a player will score in a given game. When you go to my bookie and you win, they pay fast. And right now, if you join my bookie, they'll match your first deposit dollar for dollar. Just use the promo code LOCKDOWN25 to and activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKDOWN25 when creating your offer to claim the bonus because at MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. Now, I got a lot of questions about Adam Humphreys, or, or not even questions, when I talk about free agent receivers, when I talk about the Packers adding a slot receiver this offseason, the name that I get, I would say the most, really, is Adam Humphreys, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers slot man. A former Clemson player, uh, they seem to just, they just, these guys, speaking of growing on trees, I mean, white slot receivers at Clemson, they seem to grow them on trees. Hunter Renfro is a name in this draft who could be on the Packers' radar. And I've really given some thought to this question about adding a slot receiver, a receiver really of any kind, but a slot receiver in particular in free agency. And the more I look at it, the more I think the, the options that are being thrown out there for what they're likely to cost don't make sense. And here's what I mean. So last year, Adam Humphrey, 76 catches, 816 yards, five touchdowns. That seems like a useful player. No question. You know, who, who wouldn't like an extra 816 yards and five touchdowns? But on a, on a per route run basis, so he averaged 10.7 yards a catch. That's not very good. Now, slot receivers, that's often the case because they're running routes underneath. And so they're not often able to create a lot after that because you know, you run a little two yard out, you get open, you get a first down, such as life. Okay. Except 53 players last year saw at least 80 targets. 53. Humphreys was 41st in yards per route run. Cole Beasley, another name that we've talked about on the show, was 43rd. That's not, that's not very good. And, and that's with Adam Humphreys running the 17th most routes in the league. So he ran a ton of routes and did not create a ton of yardage doing that. He ran more routes than Michael Thomas, more routes than T.Y. Hilton, more routes than Keenan Allen, and yet didn't produce on a high level. Jamison Crowder, another name that I've put out there. Cole Beasley, Adam Humphreys, they didn't produce on a per-route run basis. Jamison Crowder, in nine games, produced only slightly more on a per-route run basis than those guys. So what are those guys going to cost? Well, last year, the receiver free agent market exploded. 
That was, that was not even for like really good players. Dante Moncrief got almost the same per year contract that Randall Cobb got coming off a huge season. If Dante Moncrief is going to get nine, nine and a half, ten million dollars, then what are these guys worth a year later with a bigger cap hit? If Taylor Gabriel, who is really the more comparable talent in terms of his impact, can get four years 26, so we're talking six and a half million dollars per year on average, then what are these guys a year later going to be worth? Someone like Humphreys, he's going to cost seven, maybe eight million dollars. Cole Beasley is a useful player. These are useful players. I'm not suggesting they're not useful. It's not a question of use. It's a question of what are they useful to this team relative to their cost. So when you look at those guys and you say, okay, well, if you draft someone, we talked about Penny Hart yesterday. We talked about Andy Isabella yesterday. We talked about Debo Samuel yesterday. And if you can draft someone, maybe they're not going to come in and be as reliable right away, though we've seen plenty of receivers lately. And this is more and more the case that receivers, because of the emphasis on the passing game, and, and the seven-on-seven seven and all of the great coaching that's happening in, in high school and college and, and all of the camps and everything that goes into the passing game. The passing game is more refined in college than it's ever been, and guys are coming in more ready than they ever have. You can, you can bank on a rookie receiver being more productive in 2019 than you could even just 10 years ago. But if Randall Cobb does walk, and the Packers let him walk, and, and there's concerns about Geronimo Allison and his upside. If you're going to wade into free agency, then the play isn't for someone like Humphreys or Beasley or Crowder at those numbers. I would not be interested in any of those guys at the Taylor Gabriel dollar figure. I just wouldn't. I don't think it makes sense for this team they have other needs, other ways to spend their money that can make this team better. The same approach when you're talking about BPA in the draft, the guy that makes your team maximally improve. This is a concept we talk about all the time. The same way you, you look at that as a draft strategy, you have to take that kind of thing into account when you're trying to discern the value of a player in free agency. What are they worth to your team? How much better do they make you? It's hard to argue Taylor Gabriel made the Bears $6.5 million better given what that $6.5 million could have brought them last year at another position of need. Uh, and, and for the Packers, if they're going to spend $6.5, 7000000 dollars couldn't that be better spent on a right guard? Couldn't that be better spent as part of uh, a bigger contract for Landon Collins or Earl Thomas. Couldn't that money be allocated towards Anthony Barr or someone like that? And then you go into the draft and you snag someone, doesn't matter when, doesn't matter where, you snag someone. The bones of this passing game is still going to be centered around Devontae Adams. And if you can get one of these rookies to pop, if Geronimo Allison can come back to be healthy, and you find that tight end in the draft, suddenly this offense has a lot to work with. But if you're going to go the free agent route and you want someone who's going to be worth that money, 
because you're going to have to pay for them, then you need someone that can come in and be more than just a slot receiver. Someone that can come in and be a legitimate wide receiver too, who maybe because of age would take a shorter term deal. Someone who is extremely productive last year, but was was not someone that the team was going to return. So they traded him in the middle of the season to a contender and he made huge plays in the playoffs. I'm talking about a player Packer fans are very familiar with, Golden Tate. And you look at the numbers and you say, well, Golden Tate didn't have a big year. He was slow to assimilate, assimilate into the Philadelphia offense. But Detroit Golden Tate, so the guy that, that was running an offense that he knew with a quarterback that he knew, with players that he knew, on a per-route run basis, he was one of the best receivers in the league that first half of the season. His yards per route run, same as Juju Smith-Schuster, which is a mouthful to say and a tongue twister, Juju Smith-Schuster, one of the best young receivers in football, just above Brandon Cooks. He was much better than I think anyone realized still. And he is the kind of guy in a Matt LaFleur offense who can play on the outside. He can play in the slot. He can return punts for you in a pinch. You throw him a receiver screen and he's now a running back and he can create after the catch. You throw him a slant, a crossing route, and he can take that and create for you after the catch. And if you're going to spend $8 million on a guy, you're going to spend $9 million on a guy. He can't just be a slot receiver. He has to be more than that. And Golden Tate is more than that. So I think the prudent decision for the Packers, if they think that they need a veteran receiver, then you have to look at someone like Tate who may take a one or a two-year deal with a contender to try and go win a Super Bowl ring. And I think that they could sign him to a deal similar in structure to the Jimmy Graham deal, a three-year deal that's really a two-year deal and could be a one-year deal if things go sideways. Golden Tate, because he doesn't rely on deep speed, because he's more about physicality, making guys miss after the catch, breaking tackles, he can be effective 30, 31, 32. We saw him make the game-winning play against the Bears in the playoffs. He can still do that. He can come through in those moments. And, and I, don't, I don't care about the fail Mary. I don't care about him playing for the Lions. You don't think he would love to play with Aaron Rodgers? You don't think he would love to complete, compete for a Super Bowl? If you're going to spend that money, if you're going to allocate those resources there, I still don't think that's the best way to do it. But get someone you know can come in and be that number two guy who has more versatility than just a slot receiver and, and do it that way. All that said, I, st I think the best way to improve that position in particular is to do it through the draft because you have faith in Devontae Adams. You have faith in Geronimo Allison if he's healthy. And then you have to like what you saw from these young receivers the, the rookies from 2018, they were young, they can get better, and there's a lot of useful ways that they can be used. The Rams didn't need a lot of high-pedigree receivers to have a really good offense the last few years with Sean McVay. The Falcons had Julio Jones and some guys, and they made that offense work with Kyle Shanahan. And you've seen what Kyle Shanahan has been able to do with lesser talent 
in San Francisco with those receivers and those running backs, this offense works. And if Matt LaFleur is the coach we think he is and this and the scheme that he brings is the kind of breath of fresh air that we think it can be, then that can be enough because they have the star receiver. They have the star quarterback. They have the star running back. Everything else from there is just about building depth. And so the value of adding surrounding pieces is lessened because the impact is lessened. You, have, you can't spend a lot of money unless you're getting a superstar because they're just not gonna, they're not gonna make as big an impact on the edges. The, the prudent financial route here is to build through the draft unless one of these guys is really willing to take a significant pay cut and come in and, and be your slot receiver for three or four million bucks. And even if that is the case, I still think the Packers should look into drafting a receiver because there are some guys in this draft who have high ceilings, who could be high quality players. And there are there is no more valuable asset, nothing that imbues your roster with more value from a financial standpoint than a good player on a rookie contract. Before we go, I just want to make a point about all of this um, with the with the slot receiver discussion because there was a report yesterday that Wes Welker was interviewing for the Packers, and and we don't know at this point what that job was for. We can assume. It's for a receiver coach. Wes Welker was a technician as a route runner, played with Peyton Manning, played with Tom Brady, and he would be an interesting coach for the Packers, uh, especially a, a, a team that could be interested in a slot receiver this offseason. Wes Welker uh, may be the greatest slot receiver in history. Uh, right now as a Texans uh, offensive quality control coach, offensive assistant, and that's a basically an entry-level coaching job. Receiver coach is, is the logical next step there. So we'll keep an eye on that. That would be an interesting match. Uh, another young coach for the Packers as they build out this staff. So something to keep an eye on as we also look at some of these options in the draft, in uh, free agency, and, and what that could mean for this team and this offense moving forward. We'll be back tomorrow with our questions show. So send me those questions uh, you can do it on Facebook. You can do it on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski on Twitter. Send it to the Locked On Packers account at Locked On Packers. I made it really easy that way. Uh, you can also do it on Facebook. I told you I was going to get to some of those questions. Send me a message there to the Locked On Packers account. And the Locked On Packers fan hotline is always there for you. 920-341-3775. That's always available to you. You can text it, call it day or night. You will not interrupt my day, frankly, because it doesn't ring on my phone, so not a problem. Uh, this is not my cell phone number. I've made that I've made that clear before. And then Thursday, we will hit the edge rusher, the outside linebacker position, which I think is going to be a show that everyone is going to want to listen to that is that is a Packer fan because I think most people agree that is the, the most pressing need, the most likely direction they'll go with that 12th pick. So we're going to talk about their options there. The Cleveland Farrells, the Ja'Kai Polites, the Brian Burnses of the world. Uh, I don't think we have to talk about Nick Bosa. I don't think we have to talk about Rashawn Gary. Some of these guys who are just probably not going to be there, uh, unless there becomes some reason to believe or the Packers do it, trade up, 
it's just not it's just not going to happen. So we'll talk about some of the realistic options. They are who I prefer over others, and that'll be our our set for the week. Everything that you need to be a Packers fan in 2019. That's what we're doing here. And if if I'm ever not providing something that you think should be provided, let me know. That's what all of these modes of communication are for. That's why I do the shows just with fan questions. I want to answer the questions that you have, provide you with the most information that you can have so you can always stay locked on Packers. Packers.